Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. Amen. Well, the theme that we are involved with right now is called liberty or death. Liberty or death. We talked about last week how freedom is at stake. All through human history, there have been times and moments where the freedom of Jesus Christ, and you must understand, the cause of Jesus Christ is the cause of freedom. And freedom is at stake. Freedom is at stake in the election. Freedom is at stake on the ballot. Freedom is at stake in our life, in our government, in our nation. It's important that you recognize that, that you don't bury your head in the sand, and you make a decision that you're going to be the voice that God has called you to be. You're not going to back down. You're not going to be shy. We're supposed to be salt and light. Now, can I tell you that, that salt is good, but it can be too salty? Light is good, but it can be too bright. And what we as the body of Christ have to learn how to do is be the appropriate light for the right environment to create an atmosphere where God can move. And we have to be the appropriate salt in an atmosphere to create the environment where people can receive and digest and not spit out what we're trying to serve them. Very important as the people of God that we recognize that our job is to be salt and light in an appropriate measure that fits the audience that we have. Amen? Now, I'm grateful. Last week, I was very bold. I said everything the Lord told me to say. I took some very strong stances about some things, and I was incredibly grateful to receive 100% good, solid, wonderful feedback from our congregation. And I want to thank you for being a body of believers. Oaks folks, Oaks people are a people that want the truth. They want righteousness. They're not afraid to obey God, to hear the truth, and to respond to it. So thank you for being such wonderful people and for standing with us and standing with the truth. Today I want to open with this thought, freedom isn't free. Freedom is not free. The freedom that you experience here in America was not purchased at a low price. It was purchased by the blood of other people that believed in the cause and the purpose of freedom. And as I said before, the cause of Jesus Christ is freedom. Jesus died for freedom. He died to set you free. He died to set you free from the penalty of death due to your sins. He died to set you free from hell. He died to set you free from persecution. Jesus died for freedom. And we as the people of God must understand that freedom is paramount when it comes to our personal faith and our personal expression of Jesus Christ. Our nation was born in the midst of religious tyranny and governmental overreach, and that was when our nation was born. And it's the cause of freedom. Guys, do you understand that the United States of America is the beacon of freedom across the whole world? There's not another single country that you look at and their emblem and who they are and what they represent globally is freedom. And the only reason that that is the case is because 
because our nation was founded out of the Great Awakening Revival, and it's a nation that built its entire policies, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, all of the amendments were based on biblical principles by spiritual people. The majority of the signers of Declaration of Independence were Bible college graduates they had their degrees in theology our entire network uh, of of beliefs and laws and constitution and all of that was framed by people that had god's perspective in mind and freedom is at the absolute center of it that's part of who we are as americans and it absolutely is part of who we are as believers if you are a believer you are a freedom fighter we are called to be freedom fighters the followers of jesus are called to fight for freedom. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed, John 8, 36 says. And Jesus also said in John 8, 31, that if you hold on to my teachings, you're truly my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We as the people of God are freedom fighters. We as the people of God, there would be no abolition of slavery without the people of God fighting for freedom. There would, no be, there would be no equal rights for, for females to have the, the male and female equality in our nation and around the world if it wasn't for the cause of Christ. Jesus Christ and his message is the one who set free. The theme of freedom comes out of the theme of the life of Jesus. It's all about freedom. Freedom for his people. Freedom for his people to follow him, to obey him, to stand for him, and to be salt and light and to influence. And that is at stake, and it is under attack, and it is on the ballot. I wish I could tell you it wasn't, but it is. And we're caught up, guys, right now in this, this mistaken idea that an election is a popularity contest. Guys, we're like a bunch of stinking little high school kids, and we're sitting there looking at who's running, and it's all about personality. It's all about, ooh, this person's cool. They say they're going to give us ice cream at lunch. Come on, guys, let's get over the baloney, and we've got to get past the personalities, and we have to actually look at the platforms and recognize what people stand for because one platform is different than the other platform, and it's not about a personality. It's not about, ooh, I just hate that person. Fine, other people hate the other person. The person's going to change, guys. The platform is what remains the same. What are you building your life on? What platform are you standing on? How does the word of God fit that platform? I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to ask you tough questions. It's not about a party that you were raised in. It's about a platform that you stand on that is equal and connected to your faith and your biblical worldview. And if you don't open up your heart and allow the word of God to determine the platform of your life, you are missing God. You're missing it. If the word of God does not establish and help you pick your platform that you build your life on and that you vote for, you've missed the whole point because the word of God is everything. Jesus is the word, period. Jesus is the spoken essence of God in the earth. Jesus is the word. That's what the Bible declares. Jesus is also freedom. And the word of God, Jesus, is freedom. And the word of God is under attack. The word of God has always been under attack. The very first attack that the word of God suffered was in the Garden of Eden when Satan said, did God really say? The number one agenda of Satan is to attack the word of God and create doubt in the mind of God's people. Let that sink in. He doesn't have a new tactic. He doesn't have a new agenda. 
The attack is always against the word of God. I'm going to tell you a story today. I'm going to tell you a story of protest. I'm going to tell you a little bit of church history, and I'm going to take you literally all the way back to the 4th century. It was the year 312, and a Roman Caesar named Constantine came to faith in Jesus Christ. It, it, was, it was a monumental circumstance and happening at that time. Because for those first 300 years of Christian church history, Christians were, were killed, they were tormented, uh, they were fed to lions, they were tortured. Uh, the church of Jesus Christ was constantly under attack and it thrived. Remember, Jesus and his word specifically said that the kingdom suffers violence and the violent will take it by force. I wonder how many Oaks people are willing to fight a spiritual war in, your, in the spiritual realm and pray violently for the future of our nation, for the future of God's people, for the liberty that the church needs to have and walk in, for the liberty that the people of God need to have and walk in. I wonder if we have people that will recognize in the spirit that this is not peacetime. This is not peacetime. This is wartime in the spirit. And we have to be the people of God that will rise up, stand up, be bold enough to declare the truth and to let the word of God stand as the primary directive and platform of our lives, period. So the year 312, Constantine gives his life to the Lord. Now he's a part of the Roman uh, Empire. He is the, he's the Caesar and not only does he accept Christ, but he's got all these other gods. And the reality is that this was a monumental shift in the church history. And it was seen as a time where people would celebrate for the once, for the first time, Christians weren't being fed to lions. It seemed like an incredible thing. And on some levels it was. It caused Christianity, because of the stamp of the Caesar, it caused Christianity to spread and flourish throughout the world. But it also brought some major challenges because the Roman Empire, they accepted Christianity as a valid religion not to be persecuted. But at the same time, they accepted all the other religions that had permeated their culture for years. And it began to intermingle and intersperse. And over a few hundred years, Christianity had been permeated with many pagan practices and many pagan beliefs that do not show up and are not represented in the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's important that we understand that there can be things that happen that are good and there's also bad that happens at the same time and we as the people of God need to be alert. That's why the scripture says to be sober and vigilant for your enemy walks around like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. We have to be alert. We have to be focused. We have to know that we've heard the voice of God and have the word of God and we're resisting the devil. Why? Because if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. That's what the word of God says, and that's what we stand on. So an agenda was launched in this new Roman church. It was called the Roman Catholic Church. The word Catholic means universal. It was not a bad thing. Uh, it had many good things in its initial design. And, and through that fourth century, there were many amazing uh, things that happened uh, in the, in, in, even into the fifth century with incredible scholars and, and fathers of the faith. Uh, one of them, Augustine, uh, wrote some uh, amazing, uh, St. Augustine wrote amazing things, had an incredible relationship with God. And there's so much to learn out of those early times. But at the same time, there was this sprinkling of, of, of pagan worship and pagan ritual. And before long, there were all all of these things that were not in the scripture 
And one of the most insidious things that happened is they translated the Bible out of its original languages. The original languages were Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek. Uh, and, and they translated it out of those common languages. It had been moved into different African languages and different dialects. And the Bible, the word of God was spreading. But they began to take it out of that. They brought it into one language called Latin that they believed was the elite and beautiful language, the spiritual language, the, the best language. And they put the Bible in Latin, but there was a hidden agenda behind it. The hidden agenda was the control of the word of God. See, the elites of that time, they began to realize that there was a new opportunity as a uh, leader in the church that you could become very wealthy. And you could have a lot of power and you could have a lot of clout because the Roman Empire, the Roman government had intermixed and inter, uh, uh, swirled with the Roman Catholic Church and the bishops and the popes and those people had unbelievable power and wealth and it was a massive trap for many people at that time. And they began to intentionally try to control. Can I tell you that religion in its essence is anti-freedom? Religion in its essence is anti-freedom. What do you mean, Joel? That sounds like a bad statement. It's because we did not receive from Jesus another religion. We received from Jesus a relationship with the creator of the universe. Jesus did not come to start a new religion. Religion is about rules and regulations and practices and habits and all that type of thing. By definition, religion means man's attempts to get close to God. Now that sounds good. But what Jesus brought to us was God's attempt to get close to man. It's the complete opposite of religion. What we have received from Jesus is, is, is favor and forgiveness based on faith in Jesus alone without the rules. You're not received by Jesus because of how well you follow the rules. You're not received by the Father by how well you follow the regulations. You're received by a gift of grace through faith that he gave you himself so that you could step into a relationship that's not based on works. And the religious body at the time sought to pervert that, take control over that for their own means and abilities and wealth and greed and power and all of the above. And over the course of a couple hundred years, the Bible in common language was completely snuffed out. By the 10th century, uh, the agenda had grown so powerful through the 10th, 11th, and 12th century that now all of a sudden there were no Bibles except in Latin. And Christians all around the region, all around Europe, all around uh, Asia, all over the place, Christians had no opportunity to see and hear and know and read the word of God themselves because it was translated into a language that none of them knew. All the power was given to the religious system that was embedded in the governmental system. And so it created a massive problem because the word of God is his gift to his people and the word of God is not to be controlled by people. I stand before you as a spiritual leader who seeks to hear the voice of God every single day of my life, bring you the voice of God uh, on Sundays and different times throughout the week so that you can be inspired and empowered. But my greatest mission in life is that you learn to receive and hear and know and understand the voice and the word of God for yourself. That is the greatest pleasure of my life, that you learn to have the access 
that I've learned to have the access to. It is not an all-exclusive experience. We at Oaks Church believe in an all-inclusive experience. You have the same Holy Spirit that I have. You have the same opportunity for access that I do. This is not an elitist uh, position or platform. I want to take your hands and lead you in with Tiffany and our worship leaders and our pastors, lead you into the presence of God so that you learn to access him yourself and hear his voice yourself. And together we can be in incredible unity. So in the midst of that dark time, it went on for about three or 400 years that the average person had never even seen or held a Bible. They didn't know anyone that could read the Bible except for their priest. And in 1320, the year 1320 in the 14th uh, century, a man was born named John Wycliffe. He was born in the area around London, England, and his family was a, a prominent family, a powerful family. But John chose a life of faith, and in his early 20s, he moved to Oxford, and he signed up at Oxford University, which was a, divi a divinical school. It was a Bible college. It's one of the most famous colleges in the world. It was a Bible college. And John Wycliffe began to sit underneath the Archbishop of Canterbury, and the Archbishop of Canterbury used to and began to teach these teachings that were so radical at that time. They were so crazy at that time. He began to study and break down what's called the Pauline teachings or doctrines, the teachings of the Apostle Paul, all the way up through those first three, four hundred years of church history, up to uh, Augustus or St. Augustine, and all of those teachings that had been basically forbidden and snuffed out and kept away from the common people. The Archbishop of Canterbury began to teach those things, and among the greatest themes that he began to teach that John Wycliffe began to pick up was the gospel of grace. They were saved by grace through faith, not by works, not by ourselves, so that no one could boast. It was something that was so foreign, so radical at that time. Because the church, can you believe this? The church was literally selling salvation tickets. They were selling salvation. It went for the cost of half of a year's salary. Can you imagine that? My God, could we build a great building if we sold salvation tickets at Oaks Church? For $25,000, folks, you can have salvation guaranteed. And when you stand before the pearly gates, you'll be as innocent as a ba newborn baby with powder on your tushy. And that's how it's going to... Can you imagine? That's what the church had become. The church had become so perverse that they were not giving away freely the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. But the church had become so perverse that salvation wasn't through faith. It wasn't by grace anymore. Salvation was through buying a ticket to heaven with your finances. That's not our church. It's not who we are. Do we believe in generosity? Absolutely. Jesus did too. It's one of the number one topics taught about in scripture. It's important. Your generosity is important. But you receive your faith from God himself. You receive your salvation as a gift from him. And the number one requirement is believe. Believe. We have to be freedom fighters. John Wycliffe began to become very influential. He was highly trained, highly educated at Oxford. He became a bishop himself and rose up through the ranks. He became to make very influential friends and was connected into the actual government. He was the pastor, so to speak, 
of the, of the royalty in London and in England and had very powerful friends and it emboldened him to begin to stand up for righteousness at an entirely new level. He began to write these verses, write these scriptures. Now, now imagine this, at the time that John uh, Wycliffe is stepping into his spiritual life, it was around the year 1348, 47, 48 in that era. Do you know what was going on in Europe at that time? A global pandemic called the Black Plague, much worse than what we're dealing with right now, significantly more deadly than what we're dealing with right now. About 50 to 60% of Europe died because of the Black Plague. What we're dealing with right now is pale. It's nothing in comparison to what, what was dealt with in that time, in that era. And it was in that time and in that era that God raised up people that would stand up for truth, stand up for righteousness, buck the system, and begin to protest. So John Wycliffe began to write papers, he began to write letters, he began to, because of his wealth of understanding of the scriptures, of the true scriptures, he began to write letters and protest against the church in Rome. Specifically, uh, he wrote his three main arguments that he was well known for, was that he would argue, number one, uh, that we, or we were saved by grace, that's number one, actually that's an even higher level, but he stood up uh, specifically for um, the, that, that when you receive communion, it doesn't turn into the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ in your mouth. That's not in the Bible. That is a belief that many people have um, because of a teaching Jesus had, but it's, it, it's not in the Bible. That, that the bread that we have now and the juice that we have now turns into the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ, that you're physically, literally eating uh, the, the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. That's not actually in Scripture. It was a figurative uh, illustration from Jesus. The second thing was praying to saints. He stood up against praying to saints because the Bible, Jesus himself, didn't teach us to pray to saints. In fact, Jesus taught that we would have direct access to the Father in Jesus' name. So John Wycliffe, or Wycliffe began to teach that, that we would stand up against bad teachings, heretical teachings, bad doctrines, what Paul would call the doctrines of demons, that we don't go to a saint to have access to Jesus. We go to the Father through Jesus whom we have access to by faith. The third thing that was really the deal uh, clincher and what put the nail in John Wycliffe's uh, coffin was he began to teach the ridiculous idea that Jesus was actually the head of his own church, not the Pope. And they wanted to kill him. And, and frankly, this was at the time in the era where if you disagreed with the Roman Catholic Church, you were dead. They would absolutely kill you. They would snuff you out. They'd put you on trial. They would charge you for heresy. Uh, murder was, was commonplace at that day because the church had become so perverse. And, but John Wycliffe had too much power and influence in England. And so they couldn't do anything to him. But the greatest work that John Wycliffe did was John made the mission of his life to translate the Bible out of Latin and put it back into a common language, something that had not been done in 400 years. No one had access to a, to a common language Bible. And John made that his life's work, and all of his followers began to assist him and help him. And he, by the end of his life, had succeeded, and he translates what is known now as the Wycliffe Bible translation, before there was a King James, before there was an NIV, before there was a New American Standard, before there was a message, before there was a passion, there was a Wycliffe Bible that one man stood and said, I will fight 
for the word of God and I will make my life about returning this word back to the common people because Jesus died to get his word into the hands of his people. Can I tell you this? That the Bible is very clear. I said earlier we're freedom fighters. The Bible is very clear about the mission of Jesus Christ. That he when he came, he would make blind eyes see, deaf ears hear. He would release the captives. He would set those prisoners free. And, and that anyone that was poor, he would preach the gospel to them. Did you hear that? Blind people get to see. Deaf people get to hear. Prisoners get to get, uh, to get out of prison. But if you're poor, you didn't get a handout. If you were poor, Jesus didn't come to give government assistance. Jesus came to give a message, the gospel of freedom, so that you could escape the chains of poverty in your mind. Poverty is a state of mind. It's a way of thinking. It's a prison of the soul. And the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God, will break you out of prison and move you into a place of freedom so that you can elevate your life. Don't get mad at me because I'm telling you the truth. This is the mission and the message of Jesus Christ. Guys, I'm way beyond worried about what people think about me declaring the truth of Jesus Christ. I will not apologize for teaching and declaring the truth of Jesus Christ. I stand with my spiritual pastoral buddies and brothers across this nation. There are people in different states, in different parts of the nation, in different cities that are being persecuted so ferociously, so, so evilly by an evil power that is at work, that is at work in our world today. It's absolutely at work in our world today. You think Satan retired? He didn't. He's at work. Satan has always tried. His goal is global domination. And if you look through history, all you have to do is look around. All through human history, evil empires rose up to dominate, to snuff out the people of God, and to take control and to own all people. Global domination has been the number one cause of evil empires for all eternity. It hasn't changed, guys. It still exists. The same demonic lords are still in power. They're eternal beings. They want the same thing. They want to own the kingdom. They want to dominate the kingdom of God. But the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. God gave us the right to choose. See, part of this freedom message that is very interesting is that God did not make you robots. God did not make you to where you have to love him, have to worship him. God actually desired people to choose to love him. He created humans with an, a distinct difference between all the other parts of creation. Jesus said that the rocks will cry out in worship. The trees will cry out in worship. Animals, will, with, through, through them just being what they are, will worship. There's only one created being that was created with a choice, and that's human beings. And the scripture is very clear. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. God gave you the right to choose him or the right to reject him. That's a risky endeavor. Jesus died for your sins with no guarantee. Jesus died for your sins in faith, in hope, in love. That you would see his love, his sacrifice poured out for you, and that that love would provoke you to choose him. God wants to be chosen by you. Can I say that again? 
God wants to be chosen by you. He's given you the right to choose. And the way we live our life represents how we choose him. You are a living sacrifice. I hear a whole lot of talk nowadays about my body, my choice. And this week in my prayer time, I heard the Lord very distinctly say, it's not their body, it's my temple. We got this idea that we own ourselves. And we don't. It's not your body, your choice. It's, it's, it's his body, his temple. If you're a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus is your identity. Period. Jesus is your identity. Your body is not your own. Your body is his living sacrifice. It's not your body, your choice. It's his body, his kingdom, his kingdom property, his will. That's what we're called to live out, is his will. I know this is aggressive. It's intended to be. I promised you last week that I was going to walk you through the platforms. It's not a personality context. It's not about liking one guy and disliking another guy. It's about rec recognizing the platforms that an entire agenda is built on. The words that an entire agenda is built on. Uh, we asked our assistant to send out to all of you. If you're on our email list, uh, we sent out to you from a, a, a really cool website. It's called Freedom. Let's see what it says. FRCaction.org. Freedom Research. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of it. Um, anyway, Freedom is FRCaction.org, uh, and it's a really cool website that you can get lots of information off of for different platforms and ideas and what people stand for and all that kind of stuff. Uh, FRCaction.org. And we sent that to you. You can check it out yourself. One of the really interesting things you can do is you can look up and you can search what actual parties have done, what they've stood for, what different people have done, um, what, what different uh, candidates have done. It's very important that you understand that, that we don't just vote based on emotion. We vote based on the word of God. Okay, so I'm going to take a second. Uh, hopefully you printed that out. You've got that in front of you. I want to encourage you to actually read through it and look through it. My doing this is not about uh, trying to convince anyone. It's not about me trying to control anyone. It's not about me trying to politicize anything. But as I shared with you last week, the word politics means the affairs of the cities. And as people of God that are called uh, by God to be salt and light, what happens in the cities is important to us. Because what happens in the cities affects the souls that Jesus is trying to save. So the church is not supposed to be separated out completely and have no influence in the world. The church is supposed to be salt and light. Those are both massive uh, influence agents. So I just want to look through this real quick. You've got one, hopefully, um, that you can print out. And if you didn't get one, you can go to frcaction.org and print one out. It's important that you look in this specific uh, website is about family values, okay? So it's going to have a position that's about family biblical values. And that should be important to us as believers, okay? So here's the first thing on the list. It, it gives literally every single issue that's, or not, not all of them, but a whole bunch of them. If you actually look at the different platforms, they're about 80 to 90 pages each platform that's very, very wordy. What this has uh, attempted to do is shrink it down and streamline it down a little bit. I'm just gonna read a couple of these things and I'm gonna allow you just throughout this week uh, over the next day or two, uh, maybe half of you have voted, half of you haven't voted, uh, but whether you voted or not voted, for this time, for next time, it's important that you understand the platforms and what you stand on and what you're building your life on, okay? 
So first of all, the number one issue that's on here is the sanctity of life. That's an issue that's about abortion, okay? Um, the Republican platform is to protect human life. It strongly opposes infanticide. It goes on to say it strongly opposes uh, babies being ripped apart. It opposes uh, full-term uh, abortion and long-term abortion, all those different things. On the flip side, the Democratic platform is that it supports abortion, specifically government-funded abortion. And that's important for you to understand, guys, is that, that you're agreeing, if you're agreeing and voting for abortion, you're not just voting that, hey, somebody has the right to do that if they choose. You're voting that anyone else that disagrees with it has to pay for it. And it's their tax dollars, it's their income, and it's not just for our nation, it's around the world. Part of the agenda of this is that the USA would fund abortions around the world, okay? So that's a very important thing that you recognize and understand. That's a very distinct difference in the platforms. Uh, on the redefining of marriage, the uh, Republican platform states very clearly that it believes that uh, marriage is a, an image, the picture, of God and his church, and that it's between one man and one woman in the image of creation, the way God has designed it. Um, the uh, Democratic platform does not talk about the sanctity of marriage at all. It instead shifts into the LGBTQ plus agenda, and it focuses all of its attention there. Um, one of the things that we need to recognize and understand is that, look, I, I love people. I have friends that are a part of the LGBT LGBTQ community. I love them. We have differences of opinions on things. I'm not their God. I'm not their Jesus. I'm not their sheriff. It's not my job to tell people how they're supposed to live or, or, or to get on them or try to, try to con con convince them of something. You know what I've learned a long time ago is my job is to love people, to speak the truth, to stand on the word of God, and actually allow Jesus and the Holy Spirit to touch people's hearts and to minister to people's hearts, okay? But what I do believe is that someone else that has a difference of opinion they don't have the right to teach my children to think differently than I value. And so part of this moves into the agenda of in schools and in school sports that a, a, a physical biological boy can have the right to go play on a girl's sports team. That biological men can choose to go play in women's sports and do different things like that. That's something that I don't think is fair. I have two daughters, okay? This is my opinion. I have two daughters. It's not right for them to have to go up and compete against biological boys. It's not right for them to be in a locker room and have their privacy invaded because there's biological boys that identify a different way. We need to protect the innocent, and that's important. And I believe that that ties in with the sanctity of life is the protection of innocence. Jesus was very clear. Jesus said that if anyone causes a little one to stumble, it'd be better for him to never been born. So we need to protect our little ones, okay? Uh, the next, it goes on into the uh, abortion and LGBT, uh, LGBT agenda internationally and speaks about how uh, one side, the Republican side, uh, does not want to promote or provide abortions overseas in other countries, and the Democratic side does, okay? Again, this is up to you. This is your choice, your personal values. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just showing you the difference between the platforms, and I'm hoping that you will pray, and that you'll ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and teach you. And then according to the word of God and how you understand and the, the truth of Jesus Christ, allow that truth to shine a light into your life and make a Jesus decision. That's my ask. Um, conscious rights in healthcare. Uh, that's about the uh, rights. The Republican position on conscious rights of healthcare is about a physician's right to allow their faith to determine 
how they provide health care. Okay? So a distinctive would be that on the Democratic side, they want nuns, Catholic nuns, who oppose uh, anything that has to do with controlling birth because the Catholic uh, belief is that God is the opener of the womb. God is the giver of life. And so their position of faith is that they don't believe in contraceptives. They don't believe in abortion. They don't believe in those things. But this, this conscious um, uh, rights of health care would force them. So some of these things you have to understand are specific agendas that force people of faith like us to have to compromise our faith and obey what they want us to do instead of obeying God. And that goes specifically against what we stand for as Americans and what we stand for as Christians, that God is before the government. And we were designed and created in his image and that he is the one who gives us the sanctity of life. Another issue um, uh, was uh, re religious liberty. And this is a big one, guys. The, the, the Republican platform speaks very highly um, about religious liberty and our ability as Americans to speak our faith as business owners, as churches to declare our faith. And on the Democratic side, um, it specifically is very vocal about the separation of church and state and for churches not to be able to have the rights. They have a bill uh, that they would like to uh, Im uh, implement called the, the Equality Act, and that would take away the rights of churches to actually speak and teach the truth of Jesus Christ and to stand up uh, for the principles and the values that we hold according to the Bible. Guys, this is not about Joel's opinion. I've given you a couple of my opinions, but this is about the word of God. This is about the word of God. And we have to be people that are bold enough to allow our beliefs and our ideas and our values to be questioned. Uh, my personal belief is I have to let the word of God permeate any and every part of my life and affect any and every opinion I think I have. I, I don't have the right to my own opinion as a believer. The word of God gives me and shapes my opinion. The next thing was the international religious liberty. Um, and... This is something that's very powerful and on the, on the Republican side is very pro-religious liberty. The Democratic side, um, in this specific instance, uh, believes that religion is a cover for discrimination. And so they are seeking to take away religious liberties because they're thinking that it is intentionally about discriminating. And that's something that is a very big difference. Uh, another thing, God in the government, this is a very big distinction. Inside of the Republican platform, God is mentioned 15 times. It uh, talks very much about uh, human granted rights, God-given natural inalienable rights. Uh, that's the belief on the Republican side. On the Democratic side, um, it doesn't say anything about our human rights. It doesn't say anything about God being the source of that. Um, in, in fact, it only mentions God one time. And its number one importance with God and government is uh, separating the church out and not giving the church any influence. That's the number one focus there. In courts, um, the focus of the Republican Party is on traditional judges that respect family values. That's the number one thing. On the other side, on the Democratic side, the number one thing is picking judges that will defend Roe versus Wade for abortion. That's the number one agenda that they have. This is just something for you to know and understand and recognize and pray about. Um, sex education is a big one. Again, I've got girls. Um, the Republican side is that the number one thing that should be taught for sex education is abstinence kind of like that. I, I, I kind of like that. I kind of think that matches up with a biblical understanding that the number one agenda that we should have is to teach our children to be pure and holy. Kids are going to do things. They're going to do whatever. We can't control kids. But our job is to teach, and it's responsibility of the parents, not the government, 
And we as parents need to be in positions to stand up for our own personal beliefs. Uh, on the flip side, um, the Democrat side, what they speak about in sex education is supporting the LGBTQ um, specific agenda with all the family planning options and teaching that in schools as the right way to go. That's a difference, major difference. Um, educational choice is another big difference. I'm almost done here, just got a couple more little things here. Uh, but educational choice is a big one. On the Republican side, the platform, again, this is not about personalities. This is not about a person. I'm just giving you the platform, guys. I'm just giving you what they say they stand for. This is what's on their websites, what they say they stand for. Um, on the educational choice, uh, the Republican side is that, that Americans would have the freedom to choose their kids' education. It's very pro-homeschool. It's very pro-vouchers uh, that uh, parents would get to choose different educational opportunities for their children, and their tax dollars would, play, would pay for that. Um, the Democratic side has no mention of homeschooling and is against uh, private school vouchers that would allow uh, people, I mean, think about this. This is just a thought, is that no matter where you live, no matter where you live, that you potentially could have the choice and the right to pick a better school than what's in your neighborhood. So that's a difference. Uh, one side agrees with that. One side doesn't agree with that. Uh, and the last one is social experimentation in the military is the last one mentioned on that. Uh, on the Republican side, the Republican platform uh, says that it doesn't feel like our military is a place to experiment with gender identity and, and uh, pushing forward gender uh, issues. Um, and the other side, the Democratic side does. So that's the platforms right there. Read them, study them, research them, pray about them, take your thoughts to God. I just presented you those different platforms. I'm not telling you what to do. Uh, that's not my role. My role is not to tell you what to do. However, my role is to present you truth and to present you um, the differences between things and to provoke you to build your life on the word of God and to choose Jesus. God said this. God said, today I put before you life and death. I put before you blessing and curses, and I want you to choose life. That's God. That's God. So I stand before you as a human being, not perfect. I'm just a man. And I love God. I'm doing my very best to obey him and to stand up for him. And I implore you with all my heart to seek the Lord, to hear his voice, to build your life based on the Holy Scriptures, to build your life based on what God is saying, and to make the platform of your life the platform of his word. God's word is the platform that you build your life on. Upon this rock, I will build my church, Jesus declared. And it was the revelation of who he is, the word of God. Amen. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.